We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience 2020 Week 4 Fantasy Football Waiver Wire Pickup Power Rankings NFL Injuries and a recap of the week plus some general chatter that we do on this show all of the time. This week, Monday, obviously this show that you're watching right now. Tuesday, golf show DraftKings in the morning, in the afternoon, the week three, or we sorry, week four rankings at each position with Jake Sealy, where we'll re-up on the waiver wire itself because between now and tomorrow, there's going to be news. Not a whole lot of like hot pickups this week as it stands at the moment. So uh, maybe someone's injury will be better or worse than maybe we knew. And then all of a sudden, hey, it was like last week when it was like, hey, we're debating Dion Lewis. Then all of a sudden, Devonta Freeman signs like, oh yeah, Mike Davis, probably the guy you want to pick up here. Uh, the rankings themselves get updated all the way until Tuesday evening. You can find those on DKPlaybook.com or in the description of this video. If you check back, anytime there's new injury news, boom. They are updated, and they're listed in, like, handy, like, one, two, three, form. And guess what? I like two better than I like seven. That's the whole point of the rankings. I know it's confusing, but that's just the way it goes. Smash the like button to the episode in the comment section. You tell me your favorite pickup for the week. And if you're listening to the audio podcast right now, please scroll down to the bottom, rate it five stars. If you're feeling generous, leave a review, please. Up on Mayo Media Network right now, the YouTube channel, you can find Monday Night DraftKings Showdown Picks. With Justin Freeman and my guy Smitty doing a recap of the week, a very quick recap. This recap, probably not going to be quick. His recap, very quick. So how much time do you have? You got like eight minutes? Smitty's recap, probably the one that you want. This one, if you got like three hours, you're probably good to go. Joining me on the line from FTN Network of Sites, that's FTN Daily, FTN Bets, and FTNFantasy.com. Code Mayo will get you a discount and their showdown tonight, so you might want to use the optimizer. It is Chris Meany. Gary and Thorne also from DK Live is on the line. Meany, I want to start with you, though. Like, um, how shitty are your Eagles? 
<laughs> Man, the Eagles are trash. <laughs> they are so trash. You know, I feel bad, honestly, for Carson Wentz and just, you know, all the nonsense that I hear with him. He's doing a lot of things wrong. I will say that. But at the same time, I mean, the offensive line is absolutely atrocious. I mean, he had seven picks in each of the last three seasons. He's got six already, two in each game. He's panicking. He's feeling the pressure. And even when the pressure is not there, he feels like it's there. And he's like, he's just, he's panicking. He's missing a lot of throws. He's making a lot of bad decisions. And Doug Peterson is, I don't know what's going on with him, man. This isn't the same guy who called the Philly special in the Super Bowl at the end of the half, right? He just seems to have no stones anymore. The fact that he just kicked that ball away to accept the tie was mind-boggling and he 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 owned it yesterday and said that it was the right call and then this morning he says you know in hindsight i probably should have just went for it on fourth and 12th yeah man like just try to throw the ball downfield uh garrett i was sitting there with a i actually had a 47 and a half was my number but then i bet it again at then i bet it again at 47 i thought it was dead throughout the course of the day then all of a sudden philly comes back and ties at the totals at 46 i was like here we go all i need is a field goal for the cover we're going to overtime this is glorious like oh my I get that Jason Peters went down, not that he was doing anything anyway, but, like, their offensive line is so banged. Like, do you give him a pass at all, being down, like, four of your top five receivers? I would say so. I mean, I know there was uh, someone asked a question this morning in Doug Peterson's uh, Monday presser, just sort of alluding to, like, okay, when do we see Jalen Hurts? And uh, And they shut that down immediately, rightfully so. Like, you know he's, he's down offensive linemen. He's down receivers. Uh, you know, when Greg Ward is your number one guy and that was a scenario he was in for a lot of last season. So that's, that's not even necessarily a new concept uh, for people who uh, maybe rode Greg Ward to like a fantasy football championship last year, but it's a tough spot. And at the very least, while I know Chris was probably screaming at his television as they were lining up to punt that football. I know I was, I don't even have any vested interest. Um, It at least did give us a reminder because I had forgotten that the Eagles and Bengals had tied in 2008. And that was the game where Donovan McNabb admitted post game that he did not think an NFL game could tie. So it at least was a trip down memory lane. Well, meaning at least the Eagles are only a half game out of the division lead. Yeah, but you see what's coming up for them? Like, it's bad news. I mean, you're going to have the 49ers this week. You got the Steelers. You got the Ravens. Those are the next three games. Like, this team is, they're completely done, but you're right. I mean, the division is awful. The Cowboys really should be 0 3. They got that late win against the Falcons, but even still, like, this isn't a. I matched, I put the Cowboys next to the Eagles, and it's night and day. Like, the Dallas offense is legit. They have some holes in their secondary and defensively as well, but they're a much better team than the Eagles right now. They are, but, like, they have one of the worst defenses in the league at the moment. Like, they're banged up, and I guess they weren't all that good to begin with, but at least the offense can cover for them. Like, I don't, I can't figure, like, technically, I think Washington is still winning that division. I just, I am never betting on Washington again, man. I, I didn't realize that last week that they had all the timeouts and just conceded the game, and I was watching it this week. I was like, all right, you know, we're down 14 here. Maybe there's, like, two minutes left. They're getting the ball back. Come down, drive for a greasy touchdown, push the cover. We'll go about our business and you know, we'll be on our way. It's like, no, we're not going to use our timeouts. We're going to let the clock run dry and do nothing. Like, oh, th- thanks, Ron Rivera. Like, the- thanks for nothing. 
Yeah, two weeks in a two weeks in a row. You're right that that they ran that BS. I saw it last week, and I was like, okay, still you're like you're an inexperienced offense. You're young. You have a young quarterback. Terry McLaurin's in his second year. Gibson, like, run some plays. Like, just try to get into a rhythm and into a flow. Even though that the game is over, like realistically, how many wins are they expecting to have this season? And to see them do it two weeks in a row. I agree with you, Pat. I wouldn't touch them anymore on the, on the spread. Like, I would not pay any money, lay down any money on them. Uh, you talked about some of the teams like Philly with a tough schedule coming up. Gary, in the Texans' next three games, Vikings, Jags, Titans. Uh, yeah. Tit- Titans, D, not great, by the way. No. Yeah, we, uh, we learned that today, to be certain. Uh, I guess we learned it week two when the Jaguars dropped 30. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I was talking to someone about this last night, actually, like, this is going to be a very interesting week in terms of how much everyone is willing to just continue to smash any position against the Minnesota Vikings, because there is such vitriol right now that the Texans can't score and that they're terrible. Uh, but they've probably had the most difficult record or schedule in the league by, you know, three times over uh, considering who they've had to play these first three weeks. And yeah, like I, I know Danielle Hunter technically is eligible to come off the IR this week, but I think early reports are he's not ready. Uh, no Anthony Barr. Like this Vikings defense isn't going to suddenly magically fix itself just because it's been good the past couple of seasons. This is a completely different unit that, you know, still has like Harrison Smith. Congratulations. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think Deshaun's going to have a, a pretty classic Deshaun game this week. So. That'll at least be fun. Although, uh, as a Dolphins fan who happens to own the Texans' first-round pick this season, uh, I am enjoying the plight of the Houston Texans. I cannot lie. Yeah, if you're out there, the Rams' defense is a decent pickup the next two weeks too. Uh, versus the Giants at Washington, I, I just that's such a bad division. Just keep attacking that division. You're probably going to end up being pretty good. Uh, and the Rams' defense was widely unknown because no one wanted to use them against Josh Allen for good reason. Although Josh Allen threw a pick that wasn't really a pick, but then he tried to like throw a weird lateral at the end of the game, and then he ended up with five touchdowns somehow. So it was a very strange game. Uh, and that like, do you think the call at the end of the game meeting was BS? Yeah, I don't like it. I didn't like it at all. I thought it was soft. The game's on the line. Um, they really just kind of ran into each other at the start. And then I, I just don't like it. I, it's probably honestly the, the right call maybe, but in that circumstance, like with the game on the line like that, I just, I just thought it was soft, man. I did. I just, yeah, straight up. Just thought it was soft call. Yeah. I think it was a makeup for the interception that very yes. clearly wasn't an interception. Yep. Yep. I would agree with that. So that was kind of yeah. weird. Um, but that was an entertaining game. I mean, the bills were great. What we've been yeah. talking about for three weeks on the show, I think maybe even last week a lot too, Pat, is, you know, the Bills are legit. They're they're a solid team. It looked like the Bills of old. They let the Rams back in it and took the lead. But for them to be able to come back, get that penalty call or not, come back and get that win is, I think, is a big confidence boost for that offense. And suddenly they just have, like, crazy wide receiver depth. Yeah. I mean, there was a catch last week that I feel like it didn't get a lot of buzz because it was like, in the fourth quarter of an inconsequential game that we all knew the bills were going to win, but Gabriel Davis made an insane like diving reception in the end zone against the dolphins to kind of really cement that game. And then he comes out today with John Brown, you know, having to leave the game, another soft tissue injury. I know he was dealing with it in practice all week. So maybe not totally surprising that he had to leave the game, but you know, Gabriel Davis steps in and looks fantastic against, you know, pretty reputable secondary in the Rams. So Right now, Josh Allen just has weapons. And if he can avoid doing Josh Allen stuff, uh, which he was doing very much in the fourth quarter, just 
trying to keep plays alive for like six, seven seconds, just hanging the ball out. Just like, hey, Rams defenders, try to like force a fumble. Face masking people as he was trying to stiff arm. Like it was just a very Josh Allen experience game. But I mean, I say this, we've kind of talked about this a lot. Just, you know, having to watch games, you know, in downtown Toronto, generally speaking, you have to watch Bill's games when they're good or bad, but they've been secret great watches for about the past two years now they're just like maybe the most watchable team in the nfl well yeah i've always kind of said that josh allen on on a snap to snap basis is the most entertaining quarterback to watch because you just legit have no idea what's going to happen yeah he has 33 touchdowns and three interceptions in his last 14 games like that's from peter schrager i saw him tweet that today and i had to like double take it like are you serious like 33 touchdowns over his last 14 games and only three picks. He does have the fumbles and he runs around a lot, makes some, some crazy decisions, but you're, you're dead on Pat. He is very entertaining to watch and you know, he's only going to get better, right? We can't knock him on the first year. Oh, he's an accuracy year two accuracy. They've done a great job over the past couple of years of building to Gary's point, some weapons around him that can pass, that can catch run nice routes and digs and Beasley and Brown. It's, it's a fun team to watch. What do we make of the Bears now that Foles? I assume Foles is going to be the starter. And just to kind of circle back on Josh Allen, I kept saying this during the offseason. Me and Seeley used to argue about it all the time because they were talking about like, oh, this quarterback's going to take a leap. Like Josh Allen kind of sucks. Like, why can't Josh Allen get better? Why why is that impossible? It's like, oh, Sam Darnold's going to be so great. He's going to take such a leap because he's three years old. Now that he's four years old, it's going to be great. He's so young. It's like Josh, Josh Allen's in year three. It's like generally when guys take the leap, if they're ever going to take one. It looks like at least to this point of the season, that's the case. But Foles, I mean, he's your guy, Meanie. Foles is the main man in your life uh-huh. as it pertains to football. And he was good in this game. I know he threw that, tie, that pick in the end zone, but, I mean, that should have been a catch for Allen Robinson. Yeah, and if you're an Allen Robinson owner, heck, even Anthony Miller showed up. I mean, Jimmy Graham, too. This is this is exactly why they got Nick Foles. I mean, there's a familiarity there with everybody really on that coaching staff from Nagy on to DiFilippo. Like, they're, they're, they know Foles. They went and traded for his contract. I was – I think all three of us were a little shocked that – Mitch Trubisky was, you know, getting the start week one. And how short was the leash? I mean, this is a 2-0 and team in week three, and they pulled him right away. And I think that just goes to show that they have more confidence in their backup to get them back into the game. So Nagy can say all he wants, like, you know, we're just going to enjoy this team win, and we aren't going to make a decision, and we'll move forward. But, I mean, we just saw it right there. I mean, Nick Foles gives this team a, b- a better chance to win. Allen Robinson was peppered, as I mentioned, and, and Anthony Miller was showing up. So I- – this is, I think he's like a, I don't know if he's a top 12 quarterback in terms of fantasy land, but Tariq Cohen wasn't, the, isn't, you know, he's done for the season too. It's going to be a Montgomery show and it's going to be Nick Foles moving the ball. And, you know, he's done that over the course of his career. So super flex top 15 quarterback, but great news for Allen Robinson. Yeah, fantastic news for Andy and old man Jimmy Graham. But yeah. Gary, I was looking good with my Atlanta D call. This is the this is the thing that I didn't anticipate was Trubisky <laughs> would get pulled. They were the leading def- leading scoring defense of the week to that point when Mitch Trubisky was still in the game. That all of a sudden it just evaporated. Yeah, I I don't know if they would have gotten to like Colt status no <laughs> 4 p.m. slate, but uh, yeah, no, this is the exact thing you talk about, which is just because a team might give up 25, 30 points, you want a defense that's facing a quarterback like Mitch Trubisky. I mean, we just kind of alluded to it. Like, if you have an elite defense, like it, in a certain situation this season, we're gonna have like 
the Patriots going up against Josh Allen. And you just talked about how people had dropped Rams defense or didn't pick up Rams defense because they didn't want to face the Buffalo Bills. The Bills might drop 30 every single week, but Josh Allen's still going to be liable to do Josh Allen type things. So it's not even like they're necessarily an archetype of offense that you don't want a fantasy defense against. And and I think the, the, the Falcons were proving that uh, up until the mid third quarter point when Nick Foles comes in there, but Tamini's point about him being like fringe top 15, like, I, again, I don't think you're going to pick up Nick Foles right now and immediately slot him into your starting quarterback spot. But, you know, they've got a bit of a rough schedule, like immediately coming up. They've got Tampa, the Rams and the Saints in as three of their next five games. So not exactly super enticing, but their final stretch of the season, week 14, 15, 16. So playoff action, Texans, Vikings, Jaguars. Ooh. So, I mean, again, this, this might not mean anything. You might not need a quarterback. Maybe you have like, I don't know, Kyler Murray, and you don't have to worry about this conversation at all. But someone like Anthony Miller, uh, someone like Jimmy Graham, even as like a fringy tight end uh, that you could probably pick up right now in some places. Like, I don't think there's a lot of buzz for Jimmy Graham coming into the season, but, you know, just tertiary weapons in that Bears offense heading into the fantasy playoffs might actually be viable. Like, it's not just Allen Robinson and whatever else you can find now, like these guys might actually be meaningful fantasy producers going forward. And the bears are three and O at this point, yeah. which is kind of mind boggling considering they had two games where they were essentially done for and ended up coming back against the lions. And then the Falcons, you just blow every single game. And they almost blew week two. They were up like 17, nothing. And the other team was driving for a chance to win the game when time expired. Well, fortunately that person was Daniel Jones and that uh, is true. Th- things don't go super well when you're Daniel Jones or the New York Giants. So before we get into the injuries and the waiver wire, there's nine teams that are still undefeated who are the best ones? Like, where? let's just frame it because the Bills are the first one at the very top of the screen for me when I'm looking at the standings. So you have the Bills, meaning that are 3-0. and You have the Steelers, the Ravens, the Titans, the Chiefs, the Packers, the Bears, and the Seahawks. Let's throw Baltimore and Kansas City out because they haven't played so far this week as we're talking right now. Who has been the most impressive team after that? Has it been the Packers? Yeah, well, the Packers have been impressive. What they were able to do yesterday without Devontae Adams was impressive. Aaron Rodgers does look like, I've said this before, and it does look like he's motivated, like he just wants to, you know, impress everybody. Hey, it's all right. We didn't draft any offensive weapons. I don't need them. And yeah, I don't need Devontae Adams last night. I'll just, you know, pepper Alan Lazard and, and we'll be fine. And And I just saw an Aaron Rodgers that looked like, you know, he was having fun last night and he was running all over the field and he was excited. And, you know, that that's fun to see. I think the Steelers are up there, in my opinion. You know, Ben's just a couple years removed from leading this league in, in passing yards and passing attempts. And I like what they've built around him. I know Johnson has a concussion. And I don't know his status, but Juju is healthy. James Conner is at least healthy right now. They have a couple running backs that they can put in in case James Conner goes down. And they have elite defense. I think that they have a top five defense. They can get, get after the quarterback. They blitz more than anybody. Heading into yesterday, they had blitzed 64% of the time, which was by far the most in football. And I know they haven't went up against the toughest opponents, but they've looked pretty solid doing it. I think they're right there. And the Bills, honestly, I think the Bills are legit. I think they're for real on both sides of the football. I think Allen's just going to continue to get better. I think Zach Moss is, is a weapon if he can stay healthy. We saw Singletary yesterday get stuffed a couple times in the goal line. TJ Yeldon, they need to figure that out. I think they have have that figured out with Zach Moss when he's healthy. Those are the two impressive teams for me. And, and the Packers, are, I'm not surprised that they're 3-0, but the, the Steelers and 
and the Bills are right up there for me. What about you, Gary? And like, I'm looking at the Titans. You know what the Titans' point differential and their three and zero record is? Uh, I'm gonna think it's eight plus close. six. Okay, yeah, yeah. like there's a lot of sense. They're, they're they're being the anti-Chargers right now, where they're just winning every single close game. Like, I actually don't because the Texans have won the division twice after starting zero and two and zero and three, and they they haven't played a division game yet. Like they're zero and three. They're now ten to one to win the division. I, I think I might actually bet that. It's not a terrible bet. I mean, as you laid out, they could very easily be three and three by week six. And I don't think anyone's going to bat an eye. They'll probably be favored in all three of those games. Or maybe not. They are 0-3. But um, nothing really impressive so far from the Titans. I mean, as you mentioned, their defense just looks not not at all daunting, which is surprising considering some of the money they invested into that defense, specifically the front four uh, coming into this season. But I'd, I'd have to agree with Chris primarily because um, the thing with the Packers is they, they're kind of falling into this group that we – I would say Seattle's like far and away the best team in this group, and maybe just they're so good offensively that they should also be considered just the best 3-0 team we have right now. Yeah, um, the Seattle can't be considered the best 3-0 team because their defense is horrendous. Well, that's the thing, and I, I, I think I would put the Packers in that same bucket. Like, I, I just – don't know how when it when it's meaningful, this Packers defense is going to be able to get a stop. And I know they they have some injury stuff. Like they will continue to get healthier. But you know, part of this Aaron Rodgers season, and I think we're so focused on Russ having to outscore every opponent because Seattle can't stop anybody. And, you know, now Seattle. I, I believe Pete Carroll sort of alluded to the fact that Jamal Adams injury wasn't too, too serious, but obviously mm-hmm. if he's going to miss any prolonged period of time, that defense somehow even gets worse. But I think the Packers are right there too. Like they're just going to play a bunch of like 35 to 31 games this season. And they're going to have to cross their fingers that Rodgers gets them on top more often than not. So when you have teams like the bills, when you have teams like the Steelers who, you know, have so much offensive potential and have taken such massive leaps from where they were last season in terms of point uh, production. And they also have defenses. Uh, I really do think they have to be towards the top of that list. They've just been super impressive. Yeah, the, the Texans are actually 12 to 1 on DK Sportsbook right now. So the Texans are kind of my pick of the 0-3 teams to turn it around. Do you see anyone else out there who doesn't have a wind who could be like, okay? No, I mean, I'm... Go ahead, Garen. If you, if you say, have anyone, there's a lot well, of brutal you, you teams right now. You weren't going to say it, but I was <laughs> just going to say, like, we're, we'll still be talking about the Eagles' chances to win that division in, like, oh, early December. Like, I just don't think that division's all that good. Like, I think, like every year, nine wins. Uh, so a 9-6-1 a, a and one record for the Eagles uh, could could maybe get them up there. But that's, that's about the no only, chance. like, winless team where I'm like, they have a chance. Like, I, I just don't see anybody else. Yeah, I, I don't see anybody else either. There's, you know, some of the 0-3 teams that, you know, I thought would just be decent this year, like the Broncos. They've just had way too many injuries that they're just they're just done. So, I mean, I don't I don't like the Eagles. I see what Garen's saying. I mean, the division is awful. But again, you, you got San Fran, Pitt, Baltimore. Then you go Giants. Maybe they win that game. Maybe. Who knows? I mean, the Giants looked absolutely pathetic last yesterday. And then Dallas. And then you come out of the bye. You got Seattle, Green Bay, the Saints, Arizona. Like, there's no chance for this Eagles team. They may win four games. Yeah, four games might win this division, Meanie. <laughs> I guess. Maybe if four of those, two, two of those uh, four wins are against Dallas, potentially. Yeah. Uh, they can hold the tiebreaker. Yeah, it's it is an awful, awful division, and man, it just 
I guess it just keeps getting worse. I don't know. Like I thought like it would get better with the, with Washington. I mean, now Chase Young is sidelined. Like it's just all the pieces that Washington and the Giants have gotten over the past couple of years. They don't even like they're either hurt or they're just seen like busts. All right. Talk about yeah. Last thing. What are we doing with the Saints here? Are we buying low on the Saints or are we just like, oh, this, this is not good. I don't want Drew Brees. I know he had a good game yesterday, but it just seemed like a lot of checkdowns to Alvin Kamara. I don't know if he can. I know there's been a lot of rumblings. Can he push the ball down the field? Doesn't seem like it, even though he's without Michael Thomas. I think you can buy in on them as a team overall. Like if you're betting and you and you still like them, I, I still feel like they're a top two, three team in in the NFC, and you know they can get to the Super Bowl. So if you're if you're buying in on them that way, sure. But I'm not buying any of their pieces in, in fantasy. It's just Alvin Kamara that that's the only guy I want. I mean, maybe Michael Thomas if you can try to get him, but it seems like he's going to return next week. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I I don't really know what to make of it. I'm kind of they need to drop Taysom Hill and. Gary, are you in on the if they're down in games and need two scores, it's Jameis time? Not afraid to throw interceptions. <laughs> like you need like at the end of that game last night, like you need to go deep. Uh, oh, I, sure. apparently yeah. Drew Brees can't throw it more than eight yards anymore. You might as well bring uh-huh. in Jameis. Well, and I would say this, like it's never gonna happen, but if there was ever a coach where you you could kind of like in a press conference back him into a corner and say, Well, you let Taysom Hill throw the football, so clearly you're not overly concerned with getting the ball out of Drew Brees' hands. Why wouldn't you bring in, like, the down-by-two-touchdown specialist? I would love to see it. Just more Jameis on the field would be uh, fantastic in any sense. But that's really the thing with, you know, buying into the Saints is this has always been a very, very, like, tight group when it comes to target share. So you you spent a first-round pick if you had the means or the draft order – on Kamara or Michael Thomas. And maybe, maybe you can buy low on Michael Thomas right now if someone's been watching the Saints offense and is getting, you know, a little hot under the collar. But I, I don't really think the person who drafted Michael Thomas sixth overall hmm. is going to be all that willing to sell him for like, you know, 70 cents on the dollar at this point. I just don't think we've gotten to that kind of place yet where the fact that this guy could just catch like 15 passes a game, like, you know, there's, it's not as if Michael Thomas doesn't fit into what this Saints offense has become. He only runs seven or eight yard routes. Like he's, he's just going to detract from the Alvin Kamara 13 reception games. Like he could easily come back and have an insane target share. Like he normally does. It just won't be all that high leverage when it comes to, you know, his a dot, but yeah, you've basically got the two guys you would have been using anyway, who are studs we've just kind of learned that Drew Brees is going to be like super fringy matchup based, not a guy you can start every single week. And Emmanuel Sanders won't be that, you know, high end wide receiver three that you maybe thought he was going to be uh, maybe even low end wide receiver two when he signed with the saints. So aside from that, I don't think you were invested way too much. I mean, I guess Jared cook, but he obviously got banged up in that game as well. So we'll kind of have to see what his status is heading into week four, but they just are who they are. And it was funny to even see breeze finish that game with, I think it was 288 yards passing when, you know, entering the week, he not only had the fewest air yards of any quarterback with two starts under his belt, but at 4.9 intended air yards per attempt, he was a full yard short of the next closest quarterback in that statistic. And then he gets a 75 yard touchdown pass on a throw that had one air yard. So (laughs) 
you just can't rely on that sort of yards after the catch production week to week. So, but at the same time, he might have a bunch of games where he throws for three touchdowns and 175 yards. Like that wouldn't shock me either. Yeah. That's not something you ever really want to bank on though, is the problem. No. Like if you're trying to chase touchdowns, you're just better off. Sure. Like if you're not starting like a dual threat quarterback at this point, what are you even doing in fantasy? I would agree with that. Yeah. It, it is so nice to have like a, an Allen, a Dak that can run it. And Russell Wilson obviously is just, you know, lights out. But Kyler is another you, guy. You go pick up dual threat Oof. quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick. Just run in for rushing touchdowns he, every he, single week. Like when we get to the quarterback streams, like I have Ryan Fitzpatrick pretty highly ranked this week. Is someone you, you should you probably use like against Seattle. Like Seattle can't stop yeah. anyone. Yeah. And, and Seattle's just going to have their way. They're just going to continue to score. They're so efficient on offense. Yeah, I mean, look at Fitzpatrick, too. I mean, last week he was obviously very efficient against the Jags, but the week before that, throwing the ball 47 times. And he's got some weapons that I that I kind of like, Arian, uh, on this Dolphins team. I know Preston Williams. I don't know what was going on. Preston Williams, I wanted him on the field more. Maybe you can touch on that, that opening drive. Like, he hardly touched the field. I guess they wanted to use Gaskin and just, you know, run the football, and then they got in the red zone. All of a sudden, he got the target and he got the touchdown catch. But, yeah, I like Fitz, man. He He's, he's another guy that's just – fun to watch right it's just he turns the ball over he's not afraid to run for that first down and take the hit and he's not afraid to air it out all right last thing oh i was gonna say last thing last thing before we get into the uh the the pickups first coach fired gase or quinn is quinn not fired yet i just assume like (laughs) he would be fired like are you kidding me this guy is always an excuse with him after every game it's like oh you know we're a tight group here there's a lot of takeaways that we had in you know from this game Uh, we're just going to keep moving forward this guy needs to be gone. And I would be shocked, Pat, if he's not fired by the end of the day. Are you serious right now? Like he has to be fired. This is not just two games. This is dating back now to forget the Super Bowl. This happened a couple times after that. And it's mind boggling that he still has a job because he has to have, have lost the, the locker room. It's it's a hundred percent Dan Quinn, because I don't know what sort of like ludicrous pictures that Adam Gaze has of the Johnson family. But <laughs> the fact he wasn't fired this off season tells me he has some sort of leverage in that situation. Uh, some sort of weird voodoo or whatever, but that man has been the picture of coach incompetence for five years now. And he got hired by the jets. So at this point, I think it's also a little bit about like perception where, the Falcons probably thought they, I don't know, maybe had a chance with like the addition of another wild card in the NFC. Like maybe they could find their way into the playoffs. It's, it's a team with like a bunch of veterans on it. It's, it's an older team where the Jets are probably like, oh, let's keep Adam Gase because that way we'll go 0-16 and actually have the first pick. If they go 0-16, Gary, it will be fucking amazing. It'll be the best <laughs> thing that ever happened. It'll absolutely incredible. Like Tim's mental health right now is not doing well, as evidenced by a lot of the texts that he sends me while these games are going on. But he was so fired up. Like Darnold throws the pick six to start the game. Then he comes down, actually has quite like a nice drive, makes a nice touchdown Mm -hmm. pass. And Cuss couldn't be happy. He's like, look at this. I told you he was great. He ended up with more pick sixes than touchdown passes. But I guess technically you could, you know, he threw three touchdowns. That's pretty good, right? Yeah, I mean, that's if, if the, the glass half full version of that game is Sam Darnold throws three touchdowns, Jets lose in a close one. I don't see where they win. I mean, it's this week, maybe against the Broncos. That's it. I mean, they're not beating Arizona. They probably I mean, they I don't think they'll beat the Chargers They're not beating the Bills. They got KC. They got New England twice. They got Vegas in Seattle. 
against the Rams. I don't see a W on their schedule. I, I mean, it would have to be inside the division. That's it. Or maybe this week against Denver. That's it. I was going to say, they've got a weird, like, back-to-back split up by a bye week with the Dolphins. Like, that whole situation just seems strange. And that that could even be, like, a time when two is coming in and making his first start and could be inexperienced. Like, that's just a weird setup that seems like it screams one and one. So that that would be my hesitation if they if if they get out of this uh, this tank bowl against the uh, the Broncos with with another loss. That would be my the, the one win I would circle in the schedule. Are, are the Broncos going to start Brett Rippon over Driscoll? I, I don't think so. I, you know what? Driscoll didn't look good yesterday, but again, just like pressure in his face. He was just knocked down every single time I watched. I had a couple uh, props in that game, and I sweated out KJ Hamler. I thought he'd get over two and a half. I thought it'd be a lock. He just got three at the end. But there was really no time for him to throw the football. Like, it just... I don't think that they'll put they'll put him in. I just feel like that'd just be bad news. Just put in Driscoll and let him take the hits. All right, let's get into the running back waiver wire. Uh, we'll start with the injuries at running back. Chris Carson, there's no, he got rolled up towards the end of the game. Pretty cheap shot. And yeah. there's no word on how long he's going to be out. It looks like a knee sprain, which would be kind of like best case scenario. I, I don't know how long that's going to keep him out. Maybe he'll be back this week. Probably not, especially if you're playing the Dolphins. Uh, maybe you can get by on that. Tariq Cohen torn ACL. He's done for the season. Jarek McKinnon hurt his ribs uh, because he's on San Francisco when he's a running back. So he has to get hurt. Uh, if you're looking for all of the snap counts, by the way, they are in the article up on DKPlaybook.com. You can find that link in the description. All the snap shares for running backs from every single game of the week. Uh, and then the rest of them are just the, the regulars. Cam Akers didn't play. James White didn't play. I'm not sure when he's going to be back. Zach Moss didn't play. Mostert, Coleman's on IR. Then you have Philip Lindsay, who's looking like he may return on Thursday night against the Jets. But that's just more of a thorn in the side of melvin gordon who's just been kind of brutal uh good thing he scored that touchdown against the steelers or else like i mean he he basically got benched week one and then Lindsay came in then Lindsay got hurt so they had to put him back in he ended up with a decent game he played really shitty against the steelers but found a touchdown at the end and then he was just horrible against the buccaneers so maybe when the schedule opens up a little bit all the jets run defense isn't terrible uh levion bell could be back soon but in terms of the actual rankings gary and like outside of uh your girl fucking carol gaskin uh there's <laughs> really no one else you can go with yeah i mean this is a weird week it's it's like a perfect storm when i saw that you had gaskin at the top it was like well there's no obvious pickups this week that's probably the first thing you have to note. it's not like gaskin got here because he did something incredible but at the same time you kind of roll through what most backfield splits look like right now in the nfl and through two weeks, so not including what we saw yesterday, there were only 12 running backs who played at least 60% of their team's offensive snaps through the first two weeks of the season. That number shrinks to nine running backs when you just get to 65% of your team's offensive snaps. So when you look at Gaskin, like it, it might not make a lot of sense based on what we were told prior to the season. It might not make a lot of sense considering that the Dolphins paid Jordan Howard X amount of dollars and they traded X amount of draft capital to go out and get, you know, uh, someone like Matt Breida. But he's clearly the guy. Like you, you get to a point where regardless of the situation, regardless of how much it makes you feel queasy on the inside, like, if you're going to get 20 plus touches in a game, and I don't think the dolphins are going to be winning a lot of games by 25 points, but 
he's also the pass catching back. So at, at, at this point, I don't know how he's phased out of this offense. And, you know, we were worried after week one that this might even be like a four running back committee because Patrick Laird came in and caught a couple passes. Jordan Howard played like 15, 16 snaps and was taking all the goal line work. Like Jordan Howard is now legitimately just the goal line back. Like Jordan Howard will not step on this field unless they are inside the five yard line. And while I'm still somewhat, you know, surprised that maybe Matt Breida hasn't earned more of a role considering the, you know, just the skill set we know Matt Breida can have and the success he's had before Gaskin's the guy. And, and I think the sample at this point, we, we played almost like 20% of this season. If someone's going to have that much volume, he just, he has to be picked up. He, he has to be someone you consider for a flex spot each week. Yeah. That, that's yeah. the key right there. The flex spot. Like he is a low end running back to like high end flex. If you need him, you probably have a better flex, but he's a nice, he's a decent piece to have on your team. Injuries, bye weeks, everything like that coming through. So meaning I have him, I have Naheem Hines and like, I don't think you can really look at the snap share from the Colts <laughs> against the Jets and really glean too much. Like Taylor only played 41% of the snaps. We saw a lot of Jordan Wilkins because they were winning by 11 billion points. Uh, the Colts schedule toughens up a little bit. They're going to be playing some closer games. I still think Hines, who has now been dropped en masse after everyone picked him up in week one, I still think that he retains a lot of value in close games. Yeah, absolutely. And we, th- we thought that this would happen, right? That they would blow at the Jets and that they would have some success against the Vikings. So yeah, you're right. The schedule turns a little bit. You got Chicago, Cleveland, and then a couple soft ones with Cincy and Detroit. And then it gets a little bit tougher, Baltimore and Green Bay. Yeah, I've noticed as of this morning, he's been dropped in 20% of Yahoo League. So his ownership is like 65%. So <laughs> it's just so crazy, like all that money spent on Hines. And then, you know, I don't think it was an overreaction. I think he's still a solid you know, peace on your bench, especially in PPR leagues that, you know, you can plug them in. Um, but to Garyan's point earlier, I just like to hammer home Gaskin again. I, you know, I didn't think that he looked all that good and efficient on the ground. Like the first drive was solid, but what did he have? Like three yards per carry, uh, 22 carries second most of the week, but the most opportunities targets and carries, and he's just on the field. So the fact that, you know, he was getting stuffed numerous times and then they didn't even put in Brita is very, very telling for me. But yeah, I agree with you, Pat. Like Heinz just needs to be owned. You can probably buy low. Heck, you could probably wait another day and then pick him up off the waiver wire. Yeah, I don't think that there's like a go must get on the waiver wire this week. Like after we talked through last week and then the Freeman news happened, like there was four guys you could still go pick up, like Mike Davis and Daryl Henderson and Josh Kelly. And everyone went and picked those guys up. So now we're left with the scraps. Gaskin being the left best of what's left over, then Heinz. Like those are two that I definitely think should be rostered. I have Rex Burkhead at number three. Then I have Carlos Hyde, Cordero Patterson, Sony Michelle, Jeff Wilson Jr., depending on this Jarek news, depending on the Mostert news. That's stuff we're going to have to figure out during the week. Then Travis Homer, uh, Adrian Peterson. Uh, I'm, I'm not super excited about any of these guys. Gary, is there anyone, like, once James White comes back, what's the role for Rex Burkhead? I mean, Burkhead, I, I think he actually outsnapped White in week one, but it was very, very close. And then obviously Michelle still had a role, and then, you know, they've also got uh, Taylor. I can't remember his first name right now, but like, you know, they're going to do what the Patriots do. Um, you know, when they don't have that type of running back, you know, who, uh, I mean, strangely enough, at one point was Deion Lewis, uh, who can do multiple things. And I guess, too, like if we call this a four back system, we also kind of have to call it a five back system because you've got Cam Newton, mm-hmm. who's always going to be snaking goal line carries and things like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, Burkhead, I guess in a PPR setting, like 
it, it seems as if maybe Cam is is going to be one of those quarterbacks who does check down a little bit. Like it's not like the Patriots have this crazy amount of wide receiver depth. So, you know, maybe he gets three, four targets a week, even in a in a smaller role with James White back. But I, I don't think he's going to be someone you feel safe playing, even in a flex spot, if James White is active. So, like you said, it speaks to really just there not being a ton of talent available this week. It's it's probably not a week where, you know, Gaskin may be a side, and, and that's still probably a situation where it really comes down to how banged up are you at running back? Like, I, I guess if if Chris Carson was someone you were relying on, maybe you do have to get a little aggressive with Miles Gaskin this week, or maybe you take a chance on Travis Homer and, and see if you can just kind of patch that together until Chris Carson's able to come back. But it's all going to be situation based this week because you get down below 10, like, you know, Chase Edmonds is, is someone we talked about as a nice little handcuff and someone who is being utilized in this Arizona offense. But it, it seems very apparent that the number one goal line back for the Cardinals is Kyler Murray. And why not? I mean, he juked a man to death yesterday, <laughs> uh, which not a lot of people were talking about, like a man died. Um <laughs> And then, you know, it's, it's a situation too, where right now Arizona's just not throwing to their running backs at all. And that's how Edmonds happened to score that touchdown in week one was a rare running back target in this offense. And then there's someone like JD McKissick, where I I think Tampa Bay and Washington were probably the two teams this week where you just felt like you were getting punked by their running back shares, like Tampa Bay specifically, like it was the exact same game script we saw last week. And they just inverted the snap shares between their two running backs. And same thing with Washington. Like they were down multiple scores for most of that game. And here you're thinking, okay, Antonio Gibson had a huge snap increase from week one to week two, looked pretty good. Um, And now suddenly JD McKissick is playing a majority of the snaps, even though Gibson ended up scoring that touchdown. And I think has kind of taken back the reins of even the goal line work from someone like Peyton Barber. So I still think that's like an important development, but there, there's no one here that you're going to be able to put in a flex spot aside from Gaskin and Hines in week four specifically, unless James White gets ruled out again. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I will say I, you got to keep an eye on that White thing. I don't know, Pat, like obviously he's dealing with some stuff, personal stuff. You know, he could take, take some more time off. You know, it, it was a fluky start in one of my leagues, but, you know, I've been following Rex Burkhead to Gary's point. Week one, more snaps. Last week was 70%. And then this week was, I think you tweeted, you know, the, it was right around 47, 48. Um, they got KC this week. And outside of Edelman, who's the number two pass catcher in this, in this offense? It may be Burkhead. It may be White when he's healthy. But if there's no White, it's definitely Burkhead. And I mean, he's got 16 targets and 11 grabs in the last two games without James White. So in an up-tempo off a game against KC, maybe a few more, you know, passing attempts, I think we consider him as a flex. I'm not saying to spend money on him. You know, you don't have to, I would maybe just like a couple dollars or however your settings work and, you know, a spec ad, but he, if there's no white, I think he's a low end RB two this week. Yeah, I can see that if there's no white still sticking around. I think it was just a very good game script for the Patriots, too. I mean, you're not a Nikhil Harry believer, meaning? Uh, not so much. I know that he, you know, he's getting some targets. I know week one, it was a lot of him and Edelman. And then all of a sudden it was Bird week two. So I, I, I'm not I'm not a big I don't I still don't believe that Cam can chuck the ball down the field. I still think like it's he's peppering Edelman and these running backs. He's running the football. It's It's short throws with him. Yeah, I, I don't I don't necessarily agree with that though. Like he was 
firing on Sunday night, like just zipping the ball down the field against the Seahawks like last week. I don't think it's a lack of like arm strength. I think it's just that they don't have the proper like game plan in place and they probably don't need it. Like, yeah, we don't need it. That's you're right. They we're going to see games like this one from the Patriots. And it's really going to hurt Cam Newton where they're just going to grind teams down and they can do that. Cause they have, I mean, JJ Taylor had the most carries of any running back on this team, despite playing the fewest amount of snaps. And you, when you throw white back into that mix and you have cam running the ball, like it's just, it's really just cam. Like you never, like, when are you ever going to feel good about starting Burkhead? I guess is the problem. Like if you get this game out of him every single week, he'd be a top five running back, but like next week he might not play a snap. You just never know. Yeah, it's it's a sticky situation. <laughs> I mean, Cam is like top five in reds and rushing attempts too. To Garyan's point, like when they get there, it's it's usually him. So, yeah, it, it's we're just really pulling at at straws here. I mean, there's there's it's a crowded backfield. But like I said, if there's, I would play him this week as an RB two if there's no white. And I I wouldn't blame White to take a couple more weeks off. If, oh, for if sure, that's the case. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. like. Carlos Hyde, Travis Homer, Garyan, if Carson is out, it's probably Carlos Hyde to start, right? Yeah, but I think this is one of those situations where just because Carlos Hyde has been the one who gets more work in the past couple of weeks, like I I, I think it's Carlos Hyde is going to stay in his Carlos Hyde role and Homer will probably end up. I think he's just more explosive at this point. I know Hyde keeps making rosters and keeps earning them paychecks, but I, I just don't think he has much left in the tank at this point. So I, I would lean Homer uh, if we do find out that Chris Carson's not going to play this week. Um, yeah, but honestly, this this might just be one of those weeks knowing that not a lot of people are going to be looking at the running back position because there isn't that, you know, there isn't a guy. Oh, and, and, um, there, and there are flashy names at receiver. There, there are very there are, flashy yeah. names at receiver. Uh, but maybe this is the week to just do something like really kind of safe and and could be beneficial down the road like maybe this is a week to just grab one of those handcuffs like you know if tony pollard's out there put a two dollar bid in because i don't think anyone's gonna be looking at tony pollard this week you know brian hill had a nice game and if it seems like he's probably the guy who's going to get the immediate uh opportunities in atlanta if something were to happen to todd Gurley, like if you've got roster space um and, and you're looking to add a running back like maybe that's the route you take uh taking a lottery ticket that maybe pays off in a couple weeks yeah, the only last one I can really think about is Cordero Patterson, who I have ranked at number five. I don't really have a great lean on this one, Meanie, but no Cohen. Montgomery's just not good. Like, that's a problem. And you just can't have him running for two yards per carry and then, like, dropping passes out of the backfield. It feels like Patterson is going to get involved a little bit. He took 11 snaps at running back yesterday against the Falcons. That accounted for 13% of the Bears' snap share. Like, if he can get going, we know he's a good receiver. We know he's super fast. Like, could he just play the Cohen role in this offense? It's possible that he can, yeah. And, you know, as we talked about off the top of the show, is Nick Foles is just better for this offense. He's, he's more efficient. He can move the ball down the field. I think corners will, will expect it, you know, respect his deep ball. And a lot of tension now will start to go on Allen Robinson and Jimmy Graham. So it will open up a maybe the backfield for David Montgomery. Yeah, David Montgomery has just been one of the most overhyped players in football since he entered the league. You might, you know, I'm part of that. Last season, I, I was all about him, and you know we didn't see the touches, we didn't see the workload, and we're starting to see it, and it's just not there. He's he doesn't seem all that efficient, and I, I I've been seeing some drops too. But I I mean Patterson is just I don't know, like you're I don't think you'll ever be able to trust him, but it's possible like in a deeper league that he, in a PPR league that he does play a little bit of that that Cohen role where he has three or four targets, maybe three or four carries. Uh, we know he's a special teams beast. He is explosive after the catch. 
but I mean, not for me. You guys are missing the obvious thing here. Now that the internet has already gotten the Snyder cut released and gotten Ross to cook, we have to start the <laughs> let Mitch play running back movement. Oh, oh my God. Go. Yeah. <laughs> it might be their best on the team. We'll see about that. Uh, wide receiver injuries from week three. Russell Gage suffered a concussion. Deontay Johnson suffered a concussion. Mike Williams left the game with a hamstring injury. John Brown left the game with a calf injury, as Gary had pointed out before. Julio Jones didn't play with a hamstring. Michael Pittman hurt his ankle, left the game, then came back for reasons unknown because they were up, like I said, by a million points. Chris Godwin hurt his hamstring, and we have no status update on any of these guys yet. I had them all listed as questionable for week four. If you're looking for updates, once more information is known, I will update those in the article on DK Playbook. Deshaun Jackson bet the over on a meanie. Of course, he pulled his hamstring and had to be out after like his like first catch. Devontae oh, Adams choke. didn't play. Michael Thomas didn't play. Chris Kirk didn't play. Sterling Shepard is on injured reserve. TJ Chark didn't play, but now he has 10 days off to come back this week, and he was close to playing last week. Sammy Watkins is still questionable for Monday Night Football. Ragor out to like December. Rashad Perriman, Paris Campbell, Jamison Crowder, A.J. Brown, Elshon Jeffrey, Mimsy, and Debo Samuel, who returned to practice but did not play this week it's a lot going on here uh, at number one i have justin jefferson as the top pickup of the week he'd been playing behind bc johnson the first two weeks i don't know if anyone saw this coming but if he's actually going to be the number two in minnesota now that they're actually you know, like running plays at a decent clip uh he's playing on the outside everyone's just like oh he can't play on the outside well apparently he can uh and that's not going to be that big of a problem if he's actually the number two and he ran the second most routes of any wide receiver on minnesota yesterday their defense sucks so they're gonna be throwing the entire time played the second most snaps behind adam thielen of any receiver it's him and lazard one and two and then like tee higgins i don't know i thought he was a th- i saw 85 i was like who the fuck is 85 like i started <laughs> TJ Hushmanzada? Yeah, I was like, I started Drew Sample. I was like, do they have like a backup tight end that I don't know about? T. Higgins is huge, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, T. T Higgins is nice. I mean, Burrow was throwing his way quite a bit yesterday, and, and especially in the red zone, he caught the two touchdowns, and John Ross was inactive. John Ross is absolutely done now from that team. Um, you know, A.J. Green wasn't getting a lot of looks. It was because Darius Slay, but... Looking ahead at their schedule, I mean, A.J. Green is probably going to get shut down week five against Baltimore. So, like, those matchups that A.J. gets, you know, shadowed by a solid corner, I mean, it could open up things for T. Higgins. I'll go back to uh, Justin Jefferson. I was surprised to see his ownership at 30% in Yahoo, a little bit lower in ESPN. But this is the second straight week now he's led the Vikings in receiving yards. And you look back at week two, and it's like, what? He led the Vikings in receiving yards with 44? But (laughs) he did. So it's two straight weeks. And after Adam Thielen, what are we looking at here in this offense? So I think He's clearly the number two. You got Houston this week. You have Seattle, which you're going to have to throw, and we've already talked about their defense. Then you have the Falcons. So there's three solid matchups coming up. Then out of the bye, Green Bay, Detroit. So I actually like Justin Jefferson quite a bit. I think if you're hurting at the wide receiver position, you're going to get some some up and down games with Cousins and the offense is not going to be great, but at the same time, I do feel like he's definitely locked in as, as the number two on that team. Preston Williams, Russell Gage, Michael Pittman. I have Anthony Miller at number seven, Gary, but he was outsnapped by Mooney once Foles came into the game. So that might be Foles gold with Anthony Miller. Yeah, I mean, Mooney's a little interesting. I know uh, Jeff Ulrich has kind of been singing his praises a little bit the last couple of weeks and his snap share has been going up. But, you know, I, I, as for as much as we were talking about Foles kind of at least rising the tide here a little bit, um, it's still, I think, a system where Jimmy Graham has gotten a huge amount of their goal line uh, targets 
or red zone targets so far this season. And then, you know, Allen Robinson's probably going to be the guy who still is, you know, looking at a 30% snap share. So everything else is not scraps beyond that, but uh, when you're starting to split hairs, as soon as you get to wide receiver two, it's a little tough. Like Miller ends up with a touchdown reception late in the fourth quarter in that game, but I believe only had two catches uh, in that entire game. Um, yeah. I mean, once, once you get past, I, it just seems like Jefferson is, is such a far and away number one ad this week. Um, and look, I, I think Chris is a hundred percent right. Like this isn't someone who's going to immediately step in and give you consistent production week to week to week. Like I, I still have reservations about this Vikings offense. I mean, just the fact that they've been losing as much as they have in the first three weeks of the season. And I, I know they were leading for most of the game against the Titans, but you know, they've still only thrown the ball 53% of the time. Like that's a bottom seven pass ratio and they're an Owen three team. So uh, like what happens when the game scripts maybe get slightly better? Uh, I know you have Dalvin cook, but that it's just still just seems insane uh, how few dropbacks Kirk cousins has had so far this year. So that does make me a little worried about Jefferson, but I think the changing of the role, as you alluded to, Pat, is, is really the most important thing here. Like this is someone who ran 83% of his routes out of the slot the first two weeks. And now suddenly he's lined up on the outside um, in just these high leverage situations, making big plays. So um, for me, Jefferson's the guy who would actually spend any amount of significant fab capital on this week. And, you know, I, I guess, T Higgins to a certain extent, just because, you know, obviously he has potential um, and the Bengals are a team that are going to pass the football a ton. I think they're at like 66% through three weeks and no quarterback has more dropbacks than Joe Burrow this season, but you know, he's still going to be number three on that depth chart. Uh, Tyler Boyd is clearly going to also have a huge role in this offense. So it's going to be sporadic production across the board, but I think Jefferson's like the one game changer quote unquote we have this week yeah just looking at it right now like jefferson lazard higgins and williams i think like i have the top four of my rankings that's the order that i like them in but jefferson i think they all need to be owned so you go out and get these guys depending on where your team is at if your team is great you probably don't need them but jefferson would be the one priority guy higgins like you mentioned is going to be up and down i mean i did want to ask you i have greg ward at number 10 if everyone's just hurt on this team like he's gonna get receptions of course. Yeah. I mean, I think Gary brought it up last year. I mean, he got receptions towards the end of the season when everyone was hurt. And it does seem like Dallas Goddard, when we're getting to tight ends in a little bit, is is going to miss some time. He's he's headed for an MRI today, so we don't know. Bringing up uh, his final four games last season, 21 catches, 30 targets, 209 yards for Greg Ward. And it just seems like, again, going back to Carson Wentz and watching him, he does seem like he's rattled and that he doesn't have a lot of confidence. He's like the read is there and he's missing it. But for whatever reason, Greg Ward, he has no problem throwing Greg Ward's way, whether it's in the slot and oh, yeah. slants, oh, yeah. bubble screen. It's just Miles, like Miles Sanders can be wide open running a right? wheel route down the sideline. Like, oh yeah, I'll overthrow him by 30 yards. Not a problem. <laughs> Not a problem. But Greg Ward, triple coverage, I'll fit it in there tightly. Yeah, it's it's super strange what's going on, but yeah, I agree. Like Alshon Jeffrey returned to practice a couple days ago, but when is he going to come back? He doesn't really just, dis- I don't think he has much juice left anyways. Deshaun Jackson, to your point, is always hurt. Dallas Goddard is gone, is is probably going to be gone for weeks, and all the attention is going to go to Zach Ertz. So, yeah, I mean, Greg Ward is is automatically now the number two in this offense. 
Uh, tight end injuries from week three. Goddard, who you mentioned, hurt his ankle. He could be out a couple weeks. Jordan Reed hurt his ankle. Actually, he hurt his knee and then came back into the game and then hurt his ankle. Poor Jordan Reed, man. The guy can't catch a break. Kittle missed the game. If both those guys sit, Smelly Dwelly might actually be a play. Uh, Dawson Knox for the Bills. Too bad he wasn't in because every other... The Bills have like 38 tight ends, by the way. I didn't realize. <laughs> they have they have vintage Cardinals closer Lee Smith catching touchdowns for them. So uh, maybe Dawson Knox will be back next week. But in terms of pickups, I got... Dalton Schultz, Jimmy Graham, Logan Thomas, Chris Herndon, and Mo Alicox. Uh, eventually, the Jets will... You know the Jets had, like, an equal amount of running plays to passing plays yesterday somehow? How is that possible? It seems like a very Adam Gase thing uh, to have happen. Um, as someone who this week picked up Mo Alicox on Tuesday, intending to start him... And then Doyle's then comes back. had Jack Doyle come back on Thursday, so... Then I dropped Cox to pick up Doyle. Um, <laughs> didn't go great. Didn't go very well. Um, I, I think he's just going to be a guy in this offense. And we've seen the Colts do this. We've seen them have a two tight end system. We've seen Jack Doyle be the lesser of two tight ends uh, very recently. And we've also obviously seen Phillip Rivers lean on his tight ends and his safety valves, whether that be running backs out of the backfield or tight ends a lot. He loves a check down does Philip Rivers who how does Philip Rivers have 400 touchdowns when did that happen how does he have 600 or 60,000 yards or whatever like he he passed seven milestones yesterday and I'm sitting here like man is Philip Rivers a hall of famer geez I gotta I gotta listen to Jeff more I guess well, well are they counting yeah. his pick sixes as touchdowns because like <laughs> Sam, Sam Darnold's well on his way to the hall of fame too then if that's the case but oh, yeah he's he's doing great Jared Cook got banged up too for the Saints no word on what his injury how the extent of his injury as of yet but yeah like Schultz Graham Logan Thomas is getting elite level usage yeah at tight end it just McLaurin could have had such a big game yesterday like there was it was on the same drive like back to back wide open in the end zone and Haskins just missed him twice like it was horrible so that's always going to be like a cap ceiling because the team just sucks so much and then they give up with five minutes to go which is not great anyway QB streams uh, I'm not sure whether Rippon is playing or not but you need it would be technically a good matchup but I don't think you want to have any trust in that so the the five that I have for streaming right now. Meaning, we'll start with you on this. I have Minshew coming off the bad game at Cincinnati. Burrow on the other side at Jack versus Jacksonville. Fitzpatrick against Seattle. Mullins against Philly. And Baker Mayfield against Dallas, whose defense also sucks. I think you can play all five of those guys if you want to stream. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, Minshew. People are going to overreact to Minshew. I know there was a lot of buzz on social media. Oh, everyone had Minshew as a top 12 quarterback. I mean, there was no Chark in, in that game. And, yeah, he struggled. And these things are going to happen. I, I think, you know, people are going to drop him and maybe you can pick him back up. I still like him overall in the season. See, we'll, see if we can get Chark back. Uh, that'll help with the offense. I like Joe Burrow the, the most out of that group. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys have watched Burrow, but I've never seen a quarterback take as many hits as he has and, like, heavy hits. They need to, they need to figure it out immediately or this guy is going to have a very short career. Like they need to just bolster that offensive line. But the fact that he's just throwing so much and the offensive line sucks and they can't get anything going on the ground with Joe Mixon. I mean, Carson Wentz had more rushing yards yesterday than Joe Mixon. So the fact that he's just dropping back as much as he is, uh, I like, I like Burrow a lot. Plus he can run. We just haven't really seen it yet, but 
21 rushing yards per game over the three. That's, that's not bad. He does have a rushing touchdown. So um, yeah, I think he's like a starter fringy QB one, like low end QB one, the rest of the way, just because of the volume. Yeah. And like, he's even, he, I mean, he, the rushing volume you would expect to be there. It wasn't really at all against the Eagles because he was running for his life he, at most exactly. of the time. So there's no designed runs, but like Gary and you mentioned, they're just passing so much that he's just piling up volume. Yeah, I mean, he came into this week uh, with, I believe he had 17 more dropbacks than any other quarterback in the league. And that's obviously that one Thursday night game where he threw it 61 times is going to skew those numbers a little bit. But, you know, I I think it's just, it's an anomaly, but it's an anomaly that still tells you what direction they're headed as a team. And, you know, through three weeks, they have the second highest pass rate in the NFL. And I don't think that's going to, go away considering how bad that offensive line is at both pass blocking and run blocking because Joe Mixon played like 75% of the snaps this week and still couldn't do anything because that offensive line is just absolutely atrocious. But Chris mentioned how much pressure he's getting and he he left the game for, I believe two plays. It, it seemed like he might actually be, you know, pretty seriously hurt after taking a hit in the first half. And this is a good matchup, not just because Jacksonville you know, just gave up a huge game to Ryan Tannehill, but they're just not a team that can generate pressure. Like their adjusted sack rate was terrible uh, coming into week three. I assume it's going to be just as bad after their performance against the Dolphins. So maybe this is a game he actually has a little bit of time and uh, can scan, you know, more than two and a half seconds to scan his receivers. But yeah, I think Burroughs, Burroughs probably number one for me ahead of Minshew. Uh, You know, like we said before, I think Fitzpatrick, kind of for similar reasons as Burrow uh, slots in there pretty high too. It's just the Dolphins, as much as we just spent time talking about how Miles Gaskin has to be someone you pick up, they can't run. Their offensive line is is still pretty bad and pretty young. Like they're, they're just going to be into a situation here, especially against a team like Seattle that's much better than them where they're going to have to pass the ball a ton. And, you know, we, we might have to get back, Pat, to just betting the over on uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick rushing yards like we were blindly doing every game last season. The, the books have really caught up to quarterback rushing yards. Like, last, I, I saw someone post like, oh, Cam Newton over 70 rushing yards. Tyler <laughs> over 80 rushing yards. Like, what the hell is going on here? These numbers used to be like 22 and a half. Yeah, Kyler was 39. I uh, My bad. I was in on him, too. Like, a decent prop day for me. I have a four wrong. Drew Sample, yikes. Uh, my bad there as well. I had one target, one catch, but Kyler was 39 and Detroit plays a lot of man. And I was just thinking, yeah, you know, when the defense plays man, they turn their backs. It's bad news. And, and Kyler will, will definitely hit 40 and, and he didn't, but back to Burrow, I mean, 141 passing attempts. It's just two behind Dak for the league lead. He's definitely going to be locked in top five in passing attempts this year. Uh, Jacksonville, just to Garyan's point, coming into the week had a 17% pressure rate, and that was on a 16% blitz rate. You can find all of these numbers up at ftnfantasy.com. If you just go to the tools section underneath NFL, you'll find O-line, D-line, air yards. All these tools are free, too, if you want to use them. So go check out ftnfantasy.com. Uh, I'll have a better sense of defenses, guys, uh, as the week goes along a little bit once all the stats update the new pressure stats new o-line stats but the early leans that i'm going with rams number one against the giants at home sounds pretty good to me broncos at the jets jets versus the broncos cowboys against cleveland and cardinals against the panthers it's really just the rams uh because they're owned in like four percent of espn leagues because everyone dropped them like come on what are we doing here 
Yeah, yes. they, they, they were dropped on mass, uh, Gary. And I think after everyone picked them up to play the Eagles and then they didn't really do anything. They didn't have any sacks, surprisingly, against Philly. And then um, everyone dropped them. So they're widely available. I throw the Packers in there, too, just against against Atlanta, a team that, you know, can't really run and they'll be thrown a lot. I, I know I'm not crazy about the Packers defense, but they do have eight sacks already. They can get after Matt Ryan and, you know, the Falcons are, are a complete mess. I think, I think though I am in on just whatever defense you can pick up for this Thursday nighter. I know sometimes on the short week, um, things can get a little crazy. Like sometimes games that we think are just going to be atrociously ugly and low scoring, like the defenses just don't show up and somehow we get points. But, you know, I, I think to the point we were making earlier, where even if that game ends up finishing like, you know, 27, 24, something like that, the odds of, many turnovers, many sacks, and maybe even a defensive touchdown factoring in on one side or the other is going to be huge. And I know that, like, you know, I write the Thursday night showdown piece uh, over at DraftKings Nation. Like, I'm already thinking about how I'm going to have to write up both these defenses and spend most of the article doing that because mostly I just don't want to write about anyone else in the Jets. But <laughs> it's it, it just seems like it, I know it's – I wouldn't even call it a risk, uh, kind of just putting your defense out there on Thursday and seeing what happens, but – this feels like the week to do it. Um, before we get out of here, I want to talk to you about three early spreads that I've found for week four. They just kind of confuse me off the hop. Maybe you guys can explain this to me a little bit. So these are up at DKSportsbook.com right now. One, the Steelers are one-point underdogs against the Titans. Like that, It's not going to close at plus one. It's going to close at like minus two and a half, minus three Steelers, isn't it? Wow. I mean, I think so. Yeah. I mean, Pittsburgh's just one of the most public, publicly backed teams, regardless of, uh, <laughs> of like how they've been doing the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, that 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 one seems like it's going to switch pretty quickly. So Steelers are going to roll now, in that game. If, yeah. if it feels like they should, or unless it's like a game. I mean, if you're getting plus one, then the Titans can only win by max two points. So, I just even if you bet money line, it's even money right now. Like you do pay a bit of vig to get the plus one. You play like minus one fifteen, or you can just bet the money line at even money uh, at plus one hundred. So that that's one that really stuck out to me. That if you want the Steelers, you should probably bet them now, unless there's beyond Deontay Johnson. I don't know whether he's going to play or not. But like Clowney got banged up for the titans um lewin got banged up on the offensive line and i mean the steelers defense is i don't know if they're necessarily going to shut down derrick henry but it's going to be a tough task and they're going to get to ryan Tannehill. so if they can like have a deep safety to take away from these big plays i just don't see how the titans move the ball against them yeah and it doesn't look like aj brown is going to play either like all reports yesterday was that he has a significant bone bruise and it could be a couple more weeks for him so yeah and like i said earlier this this defense is dialing up pressure like no other team they can get after the quarterback and you know they're going to force ryan Tannehill to throw the ball downfield and who's he throwing it to the other one was chicago with nick full i i guess maybe this is hedging against the fact that they, have they actually named nick Foles the starter moving forward no not, not, not yet officially. or is this gonna be like a or is matt Nagy like this is a tyrod situation like when tyrod's healthy is he starting for the chargers but tyrod's tyrod's the veteran as, as jeff was so quick to point out so in this scenario Foles is also the veteran so i feel like I feel like the writing's on the wall here. I, yeah. I, I think he is going to start. Nagy's job's on the line, too. And yeah, that's the, to me, that was the big takeaway is how short of a leash does Trubisky have on a 2 0 football team to pull him right away? That just tells me that he feels pressure. 
he wanted to play him anyways. Maybe he felt some outside pressure to play Trubisky, but the fact that they went and got fools and they made the switch so early and they came back and won that football game. Like if I think if the bears had a losing record this season with Trubisky under center, like some jobs would be lost. Not just Mitch's. So I'm assuming Foles is starting this week at home yes. against the Colts. I guess the Colts are getting a whole lot of cred for demolishing the jets. Congratulations. But the bears are two and a half point underdogs at home against the Colts. Like, yeah, I, what, what, like, again, what am I missing? I, I don't know. I mean, I know the Colts have blown out two consecutive opponents, but those opponents have been the Vikings and the Jets. Yeah. So I don't really know how seriously you can take those results. And this is still a team that you know, lost week one to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who kind of showed their true stripes in week three. Um, look, I, I think the Bears, as we kind of outlined earlier, there's they're four or five plays away from being zero and three, um, so I, I guess there is still a little. There's a perception that they're a fraudulent three and zero. Like I'm sure if you went into the advanced metrics, like they're probably the worst three and zero team in football. But at the same time, you're right. They're playing at home. The Colts haven't been fantastic by any means either. They can clearly put pressure on a quarterback like Philip Rivers, who is you know the, the dictionary definition of a mobile. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a pretty good spot for the Bears. And the other one, Meanie, was Bills minus three at Vegas. I have a lot of respect for this Vegas team, but I think Bills are better um, offensively well, and defensively. And we, we, just, we just saw the game plan to beat Vegas, run the ball down their fucking throats, and we know Buffalo can do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, play at a slow pace, run the football. You're Sure, the, the Bills can do that, and, and Josh Allen has proved that he can throw the ball downfield too. And I believe Arnett maybe – I don't know if he came back. I'd have to double-check, but I think he, he left that game at one point, and he's played some pretty good football in that secondary for the Raiders so far. But they're another team that's completely banged up. I know – I mean, how obvious was this? It's easy to say now, but, you know, when Darren Waller has a massive game and you look <laughs> at the schedule and they have Bill Belichick in the Patriots the next – the next week. I know he wasn't hundred percent. He hardly practiced the same with Jacobs, but obviously Belichick was able to just eliminate him in in that game. So I would expect the bills to focus in on Waller and, and they're pretty good defense against the run as well. Have yeah. you considered that Vegas has never lost in Vegas? And maybe that's Ooh. why this line is so close. Potentially. Maybe there's a home field advantage with no fans in Vegas. Be like, Hey, the bills, why don't you go to the casino? Maybe catch a Robert Goulet show. Who knows? But is Robert Goulet dead? I want to say yes. You want to? You do. want to say yes? Oh, I, yeah, I want to say I, I want to say no. Guy. Robert. That's fired, Gary. Jeez. Goulet. You know, me and Robert Goulet have a, uh, a long-standing rivalry. Yeah, he, he died knowledge. in 2007. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I didn't Wait, realize he I was. was say, I, I don't think Will Ferrell's broken out that impression in quite some time, which is probably pretty telling. Well, he was born in 1933, and he is, uh, well, he is, oh, he's a French-Canadian. You're your guy here, Meanie. Uh, he was French-Canadian. <laughs> he was French-Canadian. Yeah, he's not my guy. All right, so. I have Pit- enough French-Canadian guys. <laughs> Pittsburgh plus one in Chicago, plus two and a half. I just feel like those are two numbers that are going to move wildly throughout the week. Maybe I'm way off base on this, and, like, even with Chicago, who came into the week with, like, the fifth, fifth best defense per DVOA, like, like you mentioned, Gary, and the Colts haven't really played anyone. That line just seems really strange to me. I can see people just hammering Chicago uh, on that side. Anyway, uh, what do you guys got going on this week, Meanie? Um, you know, plugging away, man. Um, to do a new show going to launch this week. Um, oh. 
Yeah, just uh, my own show. So a little spoiler, a little, you know, that's going to be fun. I'm going to have a lot of FTN guests on there. Uh, hopefully both of you guys will, will pop on in the future, but uh, it's just going to be a straight fantasy show. We just have so many brilliant minds at FTN. I got to get them on, you know, on the camera, behind the mic. And, you know, people are, you know, they got to get their work really because there's like three or four guys yesterday, again, just hitting like 90% of their props uh, over at FTMBets.com. So like a lot of money to be won. You mentioned the free tools. Going to have a stats article a little bit later today. A buy low, sell high article on Wednesday. I think I'm probably going to hit up some Texans. I think you uh, had a really interesting point earlier, just like toughest schedule to start the season. It opens up a little bit for them. So, um, you know, Deshaun Watson, I think is like quarterback 14. I've seen him, one of the most traded quarterbacks in, in fantasy over the past couple couple weeks so i'm gonna hit on a couple buy low sell highs and uh me and maddie wood has uh we have a a fabcast article or a podcast uh twice a week on tuesday and thursday and he was all over barrios for the jets tim's new boy and then uh also burkhead as well so um he's a bright mind and lots of stuff going on ftn man bomb squad barrios garyan that's your guy for thursday night yeah Yeah. uh, i guess i'm gonna really have to Get, get in deep and, and know this Jets roster more than uh, I really, really want to. But yeah, I uh, got an article up on DK Nation right now if you want to play some showdown tonight. Uh, Chiefs-Ravens, obviously that's a game I think everyone's just going to want to watch in general. Don't need any extra uh, incentive to watch that game, but obviously playing some showdown is fun, and we'll have the one up on Thursday as well. But yeah, just, just hit up DK Nation, check it out. we got a lot of great writers over there, and uh, I'm plugging away, doing a lot of football stuff. But you know, baseball playoffs starting soon. I'll be writing up uh, the first MLB uh, DK slate uh, for the playoffs on Tuesday. So if you want to play some of that and get away from football for a couple seconds, you know, we got you covered over at DK Nation and all those things too. All right. You can find playoffs. playoffs. You can playoffs. find my waiver wire column up at DK Nation as well. That'll be updated all the way through Tuesday evening. All the injuries, everything like that up there right now. Smash the like button to this video on your way out. And remember to subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience podcast. Always got to be subbing to the podcast. I'll be back with golf on Tuesday, plus rankings with Jake. You'll be able to find all my rankings up on DK Nation as well on Tuesday morning. First one in the biz that's out with rankings. That's why they're so shitty. Uh, But I'll update those as the week goes along too, once we know some more information. So thank you all for watching. If you want to play the Monday Night Showdown contest on DraftKings, like I said, check out Garyan's article and Justin Freeman's video up on Mayo Media Network as well. David Jones will have his Thursday one, Thursday Night Showdown video up, the quick video on Wednesday. So keep your eye out. Some Dynasty stuff coming up. We're adding contributors all the time to Mayo Media Network. So please subscribe and like all the videos. I'm Pat Mayo. Thank you for watching. I'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.